Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Blindness Awareness Month, and so we are hitting you with some pretty fascinating topics. And today is no exception. We're talking about the fact that most people who have never met somebody with a disability tend to feel a little uncomfortable when they meet somebody who is blind. And we're going to talk about that. Why is that? Why do we think that is? Uh, What is the process that people go through? And how do we get to the point where we do feel comfortable? And I have a few people joining me today. So I have Rob and Emily from Blind Beginnings. So they are both sighted and have been working with Blind Beginnings, um, well, um, for over a year now, both, both of you. That's awesome. So welcome, Rob and Emily. Thank you very much. And I also have Ryan and Linda, who are married. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> Ryan is blind. Linda is sighted. And Ryan is also friends with Rob and a former co-worker of his. So, so we're sort of happy little family here. So welcome, Ryan and Linda. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Okay, Ryan, can you start off by telling us a little bit about your vision when you lost your vision mostly and what what your level of vision is? Sure. So I lost my sight when I was 23 due to a car accident. So I have no vision at all. My eyes were ruptured, my optic nerve was severed, and my face was mushed. So there's no sight, no light perception, nothing. Did you have any experience with people who are blind or people with disabilities before you lost your vision? Nobody that was blind, but I do remember in high school or junior high, we had some students with disabilities in there, such as I think cerebral palsy, MS, but nobody that was blind. And so that was really my only exposure to persons with disabilities. So how many years from losing your vision before you met Rob and Linda? I don't know who you met first. Yeah. So I I met Linda first. I was taking a course at BCIT and they had me come in and do a job shadow. And it just so happened that Linda was the manager, I guess, at the time who was showing me around the call center and kind of walking me through kind of the the day-to-day operations. And then I think probably about a year after that is when I had met Rob Okay. And so how many, how long had you been blind when you met Linda? Uh, what's we met in 99 and you lost your vision in 95. Okay. So, four so like four years. years. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to kind of grasp how comfortable you were with your own situation. Cause it, it is an adjustment for sure. Right. It is. And I wasn't living in the lower mainland at the time. I lost my sight. I was living in Kamloops. And so, you know, I had my 
orientation and mobility training. So my white cane training there, I eventually had a guide dog there and, you know, got hooked up with a mentor there who just really helped me, um, encouraged me, supported me going through the process because there wasn't a lot of services in Kamloops at the time. And my family's all in Alberta. So I was kind of on my own other than my friends. Wow. Okay. So Linda, had -hmm. you met somebody who was blind before you met Ryan? Yeah. So in my workplace, we had a person who uh, was blind and he um, we were, we need to get some training for him. So we brought in a trainer and it was that person that Ryan just mentioned who asked me if he could, uh, if Ryan could come in and do a job shadow. Um, so that employee that I had, he was probably, I think he was probably the first person who was blind that I knew. Um, and I just kind of remember, I guess at the beginning, I don't, I can't really say I ever felt uncomfortable with him. Um, from the beginning, it was more of a learning experience, like, you know, just trying to figure out, um, you know, how do you relate to somebody who's blind? How do you have a conversation to somebody who's blind? Um, you know, are there taboo words? Do you have to worry about the words that you say? And I think when I think back to that time, I think there was a lot of I just remember there being a lot of people in our workplace too, who reacted so differently to this employee. Some people were so afraid to say things like, oh, did you watch the news last night? And then they would almost crumple you know, to the ground yes, when they realized yes. they said that word, did you see, Yeah, um, you know, and, and I would, you know, and I would just, I just would open up and ask, does it bother you when somebody says that? Well, no, I, I watch the news every night, like everybody else does, you know, those words don't bother me, but I think what I've learned is, it's, it's you know, everybody's different. You, it's just, a, a, you have to have that conversation with the person, you know, get to know them, what's okay, what's not okay. Because, um, you know, what might be okay for Ryan might not be for the next person. So you can't paint everybody with the same picture, just like anybody else. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, was I uncomfortable? Not really, just because of the employee that we had already, but still, you know, Ryan's a different person you know, different personality. And it's just to get to know that person and know what's, what's comfortable and what may not be. What about you, Rob? Had you met anybody with who was blind before you met Ryan? Yeah, no, absolutely not. And, um, and I'll be I'll be the odd duck out. And I will I will fully admit, yeah, I was totally uncomfortable. I was, (laughs) I was freaked out. I had come into, uh, you know, I'd been been hired on um, by an assistive technology company. So I was, I went from never really interacting with, with anybody with a disability right into just being completely immersed in that community and like learning about all the different technology. And, and so it was a little bit of trial by fire, but I do remember, um, you know, sitting in the interview um, with, with Steve, you know, him saying, yeah, you know, we've got Ryan here, Ryan's, Ryan's blind, he's an employee. And I, I do remember it going through my head. It's like, I, I have no idea what to do. Like, I don't, I like, what is, what does that mean? Like, what is like, if, if I'm working side by side with this person, I do, I mean, I, cause you, I just didn't have any, any conception of, of, um, somebody who's blind, what, what they can do, what they can't do. Like, I remember my first day sitting, sitting across from Ryan and listening to Jaws for the first time and watching him, 
like use his computer and i'm like oh my god like how what what is going on what sorcery is this like this is, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, i had no idea this thing existed and so so i think that for me like that was the the main source of that that sense of of being uncomfortable with just the unknown what about you emily had you met somebody who was blind before you came to blind beginnings I had um, actually very briefly about six months before starting up Blind Beginnings, but it was also in a professional setting. Um, and I do remember being a bit awkward at certain times. Um, and I just kind of remained quiet and just carried on. And there definitely was like a awkward or uncomfortableness. But um, just like Linda was saying, I think like, you can ask certain questions in certain settings. And I think in a professional setting, of course, like there were certain things I just didn't ask and I just carried on and was awkward and uncomfortable. And, and then I came to blind beginnings and shattered it all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are the sorts of things that I'm, I'm this, I'm going off script here, you guys, but <laughs> what are the sorts of things that you wanted to ask that you felt like you couldn't like I get the language one I know people struggle with that is it okay for me to use visual language around you or even say nice to see you is that offensive like I know people have that but what other things were you wondering about hmm, wow, <laughs> I, I think for me a lot of when I first met Ryan and that was more of a personal relationship rather than a professional one it was like how does he do the day-to-day -day things you know, we get up, we get dressed, we, you know, brush our teeth, we have some breakfast, we go to work. Uh, how does he manage that? How does he know that his clothes match? How does he know, you know, that uh, the socks match or that he doesn't have pink socks on or well, something like that? Well, there's the like pink socks story. <laughs> <laughs> Had to come up again. I did, of course. You actually own pink socks, right? No, That's no, very, no. Uh, no, you can tell the story. No, you tell it better than <laughs> So years ago when Ryan was working at his previous employer, probably, no, I don't know if Rob was there yet at that point. But anyways, I, I Ryan phones me at work. He says, uh, can you keep your pink socks out of my drawer? I said, <laughs> what? He says, yeah, I'm wearing your pink socks to work today. I said, no, you're not. He said, yeah, I am. Everybody here is telling me I've got pink socks on. I said, no, you don't. They're lying to you. He says, no, I'm wearing pink socks. I said, okay, we're going to put it this way. If you're wearing pink socks, those aren't mine because I don't own pink socks. So whose pink socks are you wearing? You're in big trouble, Ryan. You know, buddy, right? And he's like, those jerks. And all of a sudden you could hear all these guys laughing in the background in his workplace. Yes. That's so good. Oh, man. I am so thankful my staff does not do that to me. Yes. Yes. Now yes. we have yes. ideas. Exactly. They know it's okay now. Right. <laughs> Any other, like, what other questions, Emily? Was there something, can you remember something that you wanted to ask that you couldn't? I think, like, you're curious about different things. Like, like Linda would be curious about the day-to-day -day stuff where I was curious, like, I don't know, how did they, do I, can I help, do I help them do something? Should I help them? You know, we're walking over this table, like, to sit down. Should I say, like, oh, the chair is on your left. I know, like... But at the time I was like, I don't, I just didn't know. I didn't know what to do. And I was just kind of a little awkward and a little like, I don't know. I don't know how to, 
act in this situation when everyone's uncomfortable and or everyone's comfortable and and laughing at whatever i didn't know how to feel so all of you had had a previous experience and then so when you met the second person the ryan or the sean was it more comfortable was it less comfortable like what was that experience like yeah i think i think for me um it, it was a hundred percent more comfortable um i i think that a lot of that a lot of that discomfort just comes from seeing i guess seeing the disability first when you when you aren't used to say being around someone who is blind um and you're and you're put into that that situation for the first time that's all that you're thinking about and 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 in that sense before you know the person as well like you see the blindness first and the person second as unfortunate as that mm -hmm. is that's just kind of mm -hmm. human nature and i think that when you do that that's where you get tripped up and that's where you get like a lot of that discomfort because you're yeah. you're trying to deal with this this disability that you don't know how how to and so what what has to happen is that you have to realize you know what this is just a person like they're they're just a person uh the blindness is you know that's secondary that doesn't matter and when you start interacting with that person as a person everything is all that all that discomfort and all that other stuff just kind of fall, falls away and and for me like that's what it took it took you know for me to re meet ryan and you know for us to work together for years in order to to really for that to really sink in and you know and certainly you know, meeting other people who are blind you you quickly realize that um yeah, it's 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 just about the person and not the disability. Did it actually take years before <laughs> you feel comfortable with Ryan? <laughs> you can yes. be honest. No, no, it didn't. It, 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 it totally. <laughs> well, we're still getting used to yeah. once. So yeah, what was it like for you, Linda? This is more of a dating situation, like. It's very different, you know, yeah. I mean, when you have an employee, it's, it's, you know, professional and this is how to do the job and it's training and it's coaching and leading in that way. But with, with Ryan, it was different, you know, and I think Emily kind of touched on it as well. Like, what do I say? What, what's too much explanation? What's not enough? What does he need to know? And, you know, and it would be frustrating because I would, you know, try to describe something to Ryan. He's like, it doesn't matter. I don't care. And then in another breath, he wants something described and explained to him. And it's like, well, where's that line? I don't, I don't know where that line is of what he's important to him and what isn't important to him. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was challenging for a long time. It still is, you know, I mean, I was, I would leave the dishwasher down because I knew in 10 minutes I was coming back into the kitchen mm. to fill it, not knowing Ryan was going to walk past the door and, you know, go sailing over it. And those kinds of things happen. I'm not a very good guide. I have walked him into things he shouldn't have been walked into. And it's taken a long time. It's a learning process. Like for you, Linda, you have learned now that if we're going somewhere you are shorter than me you need to look up right so, i always i mean haven't in the past right but there's all these little things yeah. that you learn and yeah. it, it's a continual learning process you know some people want to be guided on the right others on the left some on the shoulder some by the elbow you know everybody has their own way of doing things and you don't know unless you have that conversation but mm -hmm. you have to be open to that conversation 
And I'm going to say one thing. Ryan is extremely open to talk about the situation as well with himself. Mm. You know, always has been. You know, there's been times where we're out and young children will be staring at him. And the parents will be like, stop staring, stop staring, Mm. look away, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'll say to Ryan, there's some kids that are looking at you. And he's like, whereabouts are they? And I'll explain. And he'll look over to them and say, do you have any questions? Like, it's okay to ask. It's okay to be curious. And the parents were, you know, wanting to crawl under their chairs and that. And they're like, really? You know, so, you know, I think that's, those are very special times where you can have a child that feels comfortable to ask questions and knows it's okay. And, you know, I hope that helps them in the future as well, too, to be comfortable around people with a disability. Mm-hmm. I think that leads to the comfort. I think, like Sean, I think is very much the same way. I always feel comfortable to say, oh, I kind of have a blind question. Like, can I ask you? And, and I think that leads to my comfort to be able to, to say at any point, I have a question. And it might be a stupid question, but here it is. And there's always that open-endedness. Yeah. It's interesting because in a professional setting, especially at Blind Beginnings, like, hello, you get a Blindness 101 workshop <laughs> when you start to work for us. You're going to be working with children and youth who are blind, so you have to have this crash course and understand, and it's always okay to ask questions. But in a social situation, I think it's a lot trickier, right? You don't really know what you're allowed to ask. It interesting the description, like how much description or do you want or not want? For me, the issue is help. Like my husband has to walk this very skinny line of help me the right amount, not too much and not too little. Don't forget I'm blind because then you're a jerk. But if you overhelp, you're being patronizing. (laughs) And I feel bad for him for that. (laughs) The spouses have it rough. Absolutely. They do. I think it would be really tough. Yeah. Yeah. And not in the ways people would think. You know, not necessarily because they always have to drive or they have to guide, but for that other really tricky stuff, right? Uh, Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the uncomfortable, because I feel like there's sort of this, there's, there's, there's some qualities that I notice from people or some reactions that, that tend to happen. Like there's the, I'm not going to talk to you at all because I don't even know how to approach you. Uh, Then there's the ask you a million questions about how you do things. Um, And then there's also the, wow, you're so amazing. (laughs) And (laughs) have you experienced any of those, Ryan? Absolutely. I have. (laughs) Yeah. 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 We, we hear, you know, as most of us will call it inspiration porn all the time, right? You know, the disability community, those who seem to be, I don't know, aggressing themselves are so inspirational and um, making it to work or even having a job. You know, we get, we get told that a lot. And again, you know, Rob and I have spoken in numerous occasions about the need for education. And I, I actually said to Rob earlier today, I don't know how much more education needs to be done. Society just needs to wake up. Um, these aren't new conversations yet. We're having the same conversations. So which one do you, I I guess, I don't know. I was going to say, which one do you like the least, but well, I mean, like when people won't even talk to me, when, when my son started school, 
occasionally I would go to drop him off or pick him up. And often I would stand there and nobody would say anything to me. So I'm the only person standing there with a white cane. I don't know who's there. I don't really know people yet. Eventually I met, I knew some moms from, you know, our complex and they would say hello to me, but it was so awkward and I could hear other people chatting to each other. And I'm sure there were parents who weren't talking as well, like other parents who nobody talked to them either. But I always felt like, oh, it's because I'm blind and they're uncomfortable and they don't know how to talk to me. And that feels so rotten. Have you had yeah. that experience? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, my, I think more of my issue is walking into a room and talking to myself. Um, <laughs> there's nobody there, even though I, I swear right. I'm talking to somebody, I'm talking to a pole. Um, yeah, you know, people, people are afraid of people with disabilities and are un, maybe not afraid, but just uncertain on how to approach, can they approach? And, I, you know, as you, as, as you say all the time, Sean, you feel like you are representing the whole blindness community when you're out and about professionally. Mm -hmm. People are seeing you and that's going to reflect on the rest of us. And at some point, I feel the same way, though I'm not out there like you are, but at the same time, the other part of me is like, I don't, I don't give a damn anymore. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I will be open and I will approach people and, and, and talk to people. And, and I do care what people think, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm blind. I'm not contagious. Okay. So for the sighted people in the room here, like if you saw somebody who was blind at the school drop off, for example, what, how would you, would you talk to them? Ooh, that's a tough one. Is it you, Sean? Are you? Are you there? <laughs> Let's say does you don't that, know Sean. Does that matter? <laughs> I don't just I... randomly walk up to people I to don't know people. though and just start talking. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. Have yeah, you, see, you know, a blind person standing at a bus. Oh, stop if I saw or... a blind person just kind of standing there and it looked like maybe they didn't know where they were or you know whatever, I would probably just ask if they needed anything. Um, but I don't just randomly walk up to people, you know, like if I'm in a, in a group, I don't just usually walk up to random people. I don't know and start talking. Mm -hmm. So, right. I don't know, but that's just more of a social thing, maybe. Mm -hmm. Right. Like but in what you were saying, like I've in the past had to divert people like Ryan and I will walk up to say a counter in a store or the passport office or something. And he's renewing his passport or he's wanting to ask a question. And I've had you know, the, the people on the other side of the counter, they don't even look at him. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, my husband wants this or whatever. Right. And then they're just talking to me. So what I do is I divert it. Like I don't even answer them. I just slowly turn my face towards Ryan and I just stare at Ryan and try to force the person to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how uncomfortable you are. He's your customer or whatever. You're going to have the conversation with him because it's probably computer related and I'm not going to be able to answer any of those questions anyways, but that does happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, it does have to do with social. Yeah. I don't like, I think, I think, okay, if I'm at parent drop off and there's one parent standing there, cane or no cane, I would talk to them to say, hey which one's your kid or i don't know i would say mm -hmm. something like that just because that would be my personality to do that 
Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think I see I'm already having the, 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 <laughs> the mental argument in my head because I know that in my head I would be like, well, am I like, is this person going to be annoyed that I'm, that I'm talking to them? Cause they're just gonna feel like, well, they're just talking to me because I'm blind and cause they feel weird about not talking to me. So would they, <laughs> would they be talking to me if I wasn't blind? Mm -hmm. And so I don't want them to feel that way, but at the same time, I don't want them to feel like, say, you, Sean, where you feel like people are just ignoring you. If it was you, Sean, and I knew your personality, I knew you were social and we get along, I'd be like, oh, you know, it would just be, it would be that. But I think that's the uncomfortable bit is even if it's an, okay, if there's a person sitting in front of me with a cane that I've never seen before and I don't recognize them, would, would I go up to them? I think it's just not knowing how they would respond mm. and everyone is so different like everyone would react so differently so like what rob was saying that person how would they feel would they be upset yeah be yeah it's really interesting because in that school drop-off scenario i would have been so appreciative if somebody talked to me i definitely wouldn't have thought oh they're only talking to me because i'm blind i would have thought this is so cool they're not freaked out by the fact that I'm blind. They're just connecting with me as another mom. So that like, that would be my reaction. One time I was at the SkyTrain station and I, in transit, I am often bothered by people who want to help me, who think <laughs> I don't, you know, who think I need the help when I don't need the help usually. And it's, and I'm so like braced for that, that this woman actually just wanted to strike up a conversation and I was like super defensive. <laughs> so in that situation, you know, she's like, so how's your day going? And I'm just like, what's next? No, I don't need help. You know, right? <laughs> they grab your arm and haul you across the street. Yes, right? exactly. But she actually didn't do any of that. She didn't offer any help. She just wanted to have a conversation with me and got on the train and chatted with me a little bit and introduced herself. It was so weird because that doesn't usually happen. So... Yeah, I guess there is also that experience of like, why are you talking to me? <laughs> You're a stranger. Yeah, society, all of us need to be a little bit more open and have the ability to approach people, not be consumed within, you know, with our own battles, our own struggles. Just walk up to somebody, strike up a conversation, be open. If they don't want to talk to you, I'm sure they'll tell you or they'll walk away. But at least you made the effort. Yeah, I'm a little afraid of the rejection myself. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't tend to put myself out there. I also yeah. don't know who I'm approaching. I mean, I guess sometimes but if does you that hear matter? people talking. Well, I don't know. It doesn't I matter because you can't see them anyway, so you don't know who you're approaching. I know. Are they male? Are they female? Are they four? <laughs> are they 40? Like, do, you know, I don't. Yeah. It kind of matters. matters. It does matter. Kind of asking a but you you asking can't a... see them, so you don't know. So... I you know. won't know until you approach or them. Maybe they're not even people. Maybe they're just a forest of trees. And I'm like, hey, guys, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, yeah another yeah. pillar, Ryan. That's right. Yeah. At least you made the effort. Another pillar called John. <laughs> okay, so what about the asking lots and lots of questions about how we do things? I have a funny story. So my husband when we were dating uh the first couple dates he i told him you can ask me anything he'd never met anybody who was blind before we met online so our worlds would never have really collided otherwise but 
And he had a billion questions. And after the second date, I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. Like he really just can't see past my blindness. That's all he's focused on. And, and so I kind of blew him off in an email. I just, I don't think this is going to work out. I feel like you can't see past my blindness. And he was like, well, I think I can. You did tell me I could ask you anything <laughs> and, you know, sort of threw it back at me. So I do tend to say that to people, you can ask me anything. And so they do, but it can take a while for someone to get through all their questions. Linda, <laughs> did you have a lot of questions for Ryan? I'm still asking them 20 years later. <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Did I have a lot of questions? It was probably just the regular day-to-day -day stuff because when we met, you know, we were living in different apartments, you know, it wasn't just boom, mm -hmm. Ryan, we moved in together. So, you know, it was probably, how do you cook? How do you find the door in your apartment? How do you, you know, all the how to use. Yes. How do you make coffee? Yeah. How do you pour coffee? I still can't stick a thumb into a cup. I just, <laughs> I won't do it. I have a fear of it. My husband yeah, was, I think asking it was more day to day things like, you know, oh, so you probably like listening to music because you're blind <laughs> or you probably would like to, yeah, like go to a, a live show or, a, you know, he was trying to figure out what, mm. but he was doing it in a very stereotypical way. Like, right. well, you probably don't enjoy TV. I'm like, uh, are you kidding? I, I love TV, but yeah, I prefer <laughs> if it's described, but I do go yeah. to movies. I enjoy movies. And yes, I've even played video games, you know, like I had to sort of shatter right. all of the stereotypes and I was finding that was getting a bit much like, I mean, have you had the experience where somebody hasn't invited you to do something because they don't think you would enjoy it because you're blind, but they never actually asked you like that kind of, you know, making assumptions. From my recollections, anytime I've been invited somewhere and we go, I'm the result or the cause of my good or bad time. And so, you know, if I decide to be interactive with whatever activity it is or whoever's in the room, you know, I can make it a good night or I can make it a crappy night. I remember one time, and this is kind of the opposite to what you were just asking, Sean, is uh, my dad and I had a tradition every Christmas we would go see the Nutcracker and which of course is a ballet and um, the first time the first Christmas that Ryan was in my life uh, we brought him along to the Nutcracker and it was about 10 minutes into the show and of course it's all music and then the ballet taking place and Ryan turns to me and he said when's it going to start? <laughs> I thank goodness it was dark in the theater. I must have had the stupidest look on my face thinking, really? I just brought my blind boyfriend to ballet. <laughs> and I said, oh. it started 10 minutes ago. This is a ballet. I thought everybody knew the Nutcracker was a ballet. He thought it was more of like a play. Oh, and, that's hilarious. Uh, he was waiting for it to begin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've never been to the ballet and I have no desire to do that. <laughs> well, it's a great we time, gone Sean. Back. It's a great time. Did, did you have a good nap, Ryan? <laughs> oh, I enjoyed the music. Well, the music was good. Of course, he loves his music. So Right. Actually, uh, yeah, my husband and I, we went to see Captain America. That was our first movie and it was not described. And I did fall asleep because it's like oh, no. action packed. I couldn't follow it at all. He didn't really yeah. know how to describe to me and... Yeah, so there are definitely things we don't might not enjoy as much, but yeah. Um, but when you guys were dating Linda, were there 
did you think about that? Like making suggestions of things you could do together? Were you concerned about, will he enjoy it? Well, obviously not, I guess, if you took him to a ballet. Well, I didn't even think of it. I mean, most things we would have done would have been, you know, like family things, outings, beaches, you know, go away to Whistler for the weekend kind of thing. So, you know, those were things that we would just sort of make sure when we were in sort of the moment of the things that it was stuff that he was going to get something out of as well. I don't really remember anything at the Nutcracker just, well, I'll never forget that. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was, like I said, it was our first Christmas together. So maybe that's why it's never happened since, because it was just one of those moments that was uh, one of those enlightening moments, I guess we'll say. I think, me. I think too, that, you know, Linda and I are, are coming up on our 20th anniversary 20 years ago, we didn't have what we have now, like touch tours. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have audio descriptive museum exhibits. Mm -hmm. We didn't have audio description in the theaters like we do now. You know, a lot has changed. And so I think what we did back then was, you know, go for the walks, go down to Stanley Park, like Linda said, go up to Whistler, you know, just do outdoorsy type stuff you know we've we've been to casinos and it's just like jingle 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 doesn't do a lot for me but... until he starts winning then yeah, it does do no. a lot for him that's right yeah. he learns the difference in the sounds that's yes right, yeah. i love the casino actually <laughs> i can't go there very often it's not good that's right yeah so i think you know coming back to that i think society now has a lot more going for them than, than we did Emily and Rob, did you guys feel like you asked a lot of questions in the beginning and, or did you feel comfortable or did you want to ask questions? How, how was the questioning for you? I mean, I certainly, I, I remember like wanting to ask questions, but I still, for a long time, I was just chicken to ask questions. And so I would just learn through just conversations like you, you guys are talking about movies earlier and i remember specifically the the first movie conversation that i had with ryan and like thinking to myself like holy crap like he watches movies like he watches movies mm -hmm. and tv okay. like wow and that was really like that was a, a revelation to me and so you know we would talk about movies you know quite a lot at work um i mean i, I mean no we were working really hard and <laughs> Does Steve listen to this yeah. podcast? No. <laughs> Steve doesn't listen to our podcast. Let alone um, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I do remember like, like being curious about a lot of things uh, and just never really feeling like I should ask. That's interesting because I feel like that would impact what you felt you could talk to Ryan about right so like movies are off the table until you learn oh he watches movies we can talk so like that creates this social kind of isolation thing right like I don't really know what I can talk to you about the things that I would talk to other people about might be offensive or might not be relevant so therefore I'll just stay quiet well yeah. I think like Rob was saying you know if we're in in our workplace he could pick up on conversations I might be having with the other workers in the office right and so he would learn that maybe you know i'm a huge star wars fan sorry sean star wars rocks um <laughs> you know i'm learning i'm learning to adapt <laughs> but that type of that type of stuff right you know he would pick up on the conversations that we're having well and even capabilities like i remember the first time you know something went wrong with 
with Ryan's uh, computer at work, um, you know, I remember being really amazed because he would just like he would just tip tip the tower over on its side. He'd he'd find like the screws with his fingers. He'd unscrew it. He'd crack the case open. He'd be like, yeah, I think it's the RAM is is kind of. <laughs> And he, he'd just stick his hand in there and he's, he's messing around with the computer and tips it over. Like he was doing things with, with computers that like I couldn't do. Or, you know, and the same thing with, with certainly with JAWS and a screen reader, he was able to, to do things so fast. And holy crap, like the speed that he can listen to JAWS uh, is just amazing. He can fly through a web page and absorb it you know, like 10 times as fast as I can read it. Like so, I, so there was all these things that that I would just watch and, and watch him do that really sort of answered a lot of those internal questions. And eventually, you just you kind of they just you don't worry about them anymore because they're not they're not really relevant. And in fact, you know, like honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm too comfortable with it because sometimes you forget like perfect example <laughs> you know when i'm waving to sean as she walks into the conference room <laughs> i killed myself laughing on today's limitless show yeah I know. <laughs> you know, I know um and something you know and certainly like when i was when i would do things like sighted guide ryan over to subway or whatever and literally just forget that he's like on my elbow and i i don't know how many doorways i'd walk him into or you know, curbs that I'd like walk them off of. Like that was the one thing to me, like they'll always be ingrained in me. He ingrained in me two things. He's like, look, if there's a curb, you need to tell me there's a curb that I'm stepping off a curb. And if it's an escalator, for God's sake, please tell me <laughs> what direction the escalator's going in. Yeah, the yeah. escalator's a big one with Ryan. Yes. <laughs> I think he was killed on an escalator in a previous life or something. <laughs> That's always been. <laughs> I think I did ask a lot of questions and I think I still ask a lot of questions. I think also, uh, unlike Rob's experience or Linda's, Sean, you and I, I came onto my beginning's peak of COVID. Our interactions for the first six months, basically, of me working here, maybe less than that, but was virtual. So, like, I didn't like talk about forgetting about being blindness and blind. I never heard Jaws. I never saw your cane. I never interacted with you in person. So, I got so comfortable with you over zoom and i it got to the point where i remember at one point saying to sean like i need to physically be around you more so that i can be more comfortable with seeing like understanding how you move and operate in the world because our relationship is 100 percent virtual so we need to see each other so i know more about blindness <laughs> that's really interesting so when we did start to come into the office a little bit was it like, did you feel like you were having to get comfortable all over again? I think there was things I didn't expect. I remember the first time I came into the office, you texted me directions. And I remember thinking, oh, Sean's giving me directions. Like, she's telling me what bus to take from where. I'm like, how does she know all the bus routes in, in <laughs> Vancouver without, you know, checking Google Maps or something? Like, but I think I was so comfortable to ask questions because we had already established a very comfortable zone before i wonder if that's just like sort of like the, one of the best ways to really be become comfortable with it is to to just immerse yourself in it rather than just like ask a million questions 
Um, mm. It's really just, you know, watching and, and being with that person and learning over time, sort of organically. Yeah. And I would say as well, like my third interaction with the third person that was blind, I felt like I was starting all over again. And the process was like restarting. It's like, okay, I'm really comfortable with Sean and I understand everything about the way Sean operates, but then I meet someone new and they're completely different and they want to be, they like to be guided differently or they have different cues that I need to respond to, or, you know, just, just everyone is so different. And it, it feels like I was learning all over again for each person that I've met. Okay, Ryan. So let's talk about what we do to make people more comfortable. Like I know I, I make stupid blind jokes with people when I first meet them. I feel like if I laugh at it, they'll realize they can laugh at it. And it seems to help. I don't, do you do that? I think I do to a certain extent, but I think of myself as quite an introvert, very closed until until I feel comfortable, I guess, and then I, I open up. Yeah, like you, I, I will make light of, of certain, you know, blindisms. Because Ryan is very introverted. So he wouldn't normally come out and, you know, do a blind joke or something like that unless he felt comfortable. Sometimes I'll mention something to him, like the, the you know, what I said before about the kids. And, you know, he just opened right up with them. He has made a few kind of blind jokes when we've been in a group of people, um, you know, and somebody will ask him something or, or whatever, but yeah, he is pretty introverted. So usually somebody else starts the conversation and then Ryan will get into it. He has to feel a connection to people, I think, in order to be able to really um, get into a conversation with them or feel comfortable. I, I think that's where, you know, you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone, step out of yourself and take the initiative to involve yourself, to be that outspoken po person. You know, if you know there's others in the room and you're standing there, say something, you know, Hey, what's going on in here? You know, just you, you have to be willing to make the effort because obviously not everybody's going to, they're not going to acknowledge that you're there. Um, some people might, of course, but at the same time, I think you make your experience. It's interesting because I would say the majority of my life, I was trying to look sighted, trying to, you know, never would ask for help, didn't want to burden people, didn't want to ask for anything pretty much until I became a parent, I, I think. And then it was like, okay, this is actually me, my stubbornness and <laughs> independence right. to a fault is going to possibly mean my child misses out on experiences. So I have to let right. this go. And one of the things that I think has made people more comfortable around me is that I am more comfortable being out about my blindness. It's not like, I mean, it's not like I was hiding it, but walking into a room and saying, is there an empty seat somewhere? Whereas mm. I would have just died and wanted to like, you know, fall under the floor before I would say something like that in 10 years ago. So I think that also makes people more comfortable when you're just like open about what you need, like, Oh, are there snacks on the table? What's there? Right. Just because then it kind of gives per people permission to help you and they know what sort of help. Well, I'm assuming they yeah, know what totally, sort of help you need. totally. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah a good 
that's good. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. both of those are, are excellent because I think that like humor really does like disarm a situation and it really does sort of bring that back down to earth and, and you're relating with somebody um, immediately. And, and the same thing, yeah, like because I think that for, for somebody who's able-bodied, I think that that's one of the big fears is that I don't know when to offer help or when it's appropriate or when it's not or what's needed. And so I, I think that addressing those those two things like right off right off the bat, I think that is, yeah, it's a really good strategy. Yeah, I was I had reached out to one of my longtime closest friends when I was thinking about this podcast and I was like, I want to talk to people about the process of becoming comfortable, but I don't remember you ever being uncomfortable. Were you? <laughs> and she's like, not really, but she said, I, I always wondered about things like, you know, we're out in a restaurant and somebody puts my plate down in front of me. Should I give you the clock directions of what's oh, on your plate or just let you figure that out? Or if we're walking down the sidewalk and we're approaching a pole and your cane's going to hit it, do I say something or do I just let, you know? So yeah, that was kind of a, a good, good for me to hear like, okay, these are the things you think about. Cause I had no idea that she worried about that stuff. I think also just keeping that line open. I think, Sean, you do a really good job and that makes me at least feel comfortable. It's kind of ensuring or assuring that that line is always open to ask like, oh, do you want to know? Do you not want to know? And then you just move on. You give me an answer, we move on. So that helps. I feel like this has been amazing. I feel like this is my favorite episode, just so you know. I, I do have a question. Yeah, it's, it's for Sean and Ryan. Um, I'm stealing it from your list, actually, Sean, but we haven't touched <laughs> it. And it's something I want to know. How can you tell when people are comfortable with you? Oh, like, good one. What's that feeling? That. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of when they just, for me at least, it's it's when they don't have to ask anymore. They don't really have to check in. They kind of just know what I need, when I need it. You know, there's no like, do you want an arm? I just take their arm. There's no, you know, when they hand me a drink, they're kind of like, they, they know how to do that. So it doesn't feel awkward. There's, they're not at, they're not like stumbling over their, the words that they use. It's just, we're just, and sometimes they forget, they forget that I'm blind, which <laughs> I do. I do see that as a compliment. I do feel like when, I mean, it depends when you're forgetting, like, don't forget <laughs> when I'm about to walk off a cliff or something, but <laughs> if we're just sitting around chatting, it's not relevant, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's not really relevant. And, and so there are some people who, who constantly make reference to my blindness in a social situation. And that's annoying. That's like, you don't need to do that. So I don't know if I'm answering the question, but totally. it's just kind of a feeling I get. Like, you know, if you're still checking in with me about things, then I feel like you're not 100% comfortable yet. You're still sort of navigating this. Although I still, like, there's there's like a, it's like a hierarchy or something, right? Like there's like the hierarchy of comfort. And I feel like mm. once people get to that place of being comfortable to ask and check in, that's awesome. It's just, if they can get even past that, that's really the cream of the crop. That's like, okay, you, yeah, you just see me as Sean and I just happen to be blind. 
Yeah, I think a lot of that's the same. I think the other side of that coin, though, is that you're not coming across or we aren't coming across as needy. I need this. I need that. I need you to do it this way. I need you to do it that way. You know, you, you for the most part, you kind of go with the flow. You know, if they approach you, start up that conversation, ask that question, you go from there. But I think the way we react to that makes all the difference. Yeah, I'm thinking like, my favorite people to hang around with my favorite. Yeah. Sighted people to hang around with tend to be vision professionals, <laughs> like teachers of the visually impaired or mobility instructors, because they have studied this. They've been around so many people who are blind and, you know, you go out for dinner and they just start reading you the menu and they right. kind of know how to do that. And they, they're going to the washroom and they say, do you need to go? And like right. just these yeah. casual things that just feel really natural that make a huge difference. Right. Yeah. Versus the person who doesn't offer and they just go to the bathroom and then you're like, Oh crap, I had to go, but I didn't really have a chance to ask or whatever. So yeah, yeah. they just kind of anticipate what you're going to need, but not in a way that makes you feel needy. I think it's tough. I think it's, I do feel bad for the sighted folks that, have to, <laughs> that are trying to get to that place because well, it's, get, it's tricky. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, we mentioned earlier the whole education, 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 you know, how many times, Sean, have you gone to an airport and been offered a wheelchair, mm. right? To take you to your gate. Yeah. Like I, I walked in here. Why do you think I need a wheelchair now? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah. I, or I that you what, can't do the stairs or the escalator yeah. and that you need the elevator. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'll take it. <laughs> Most of the time I'll take it. The wheelchair? <laughs> Absolutely. I'll never take the wheelchair. Oh, it gets me through the gates faster. It gets me past the lines quicker. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take the golf cart thing. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> hey, I'm blind. I have some benefits. <laughs> I'm yes. going to use them. <laughs> Thank you so much, you guys. I think this, I think this will help a lot of people and I hope that it will. I hope that there are people who are sighted, who are listening, who have learned something and will maybe feel more comfortable to approach somebody who's blind in the future and, and maybe help some people who are blind to kind of some tips on how to make people feel more comfortable. But thank you so much for, for sharing and being with us today. Thank you. Thanks. You're so welcome. Thanks for having us. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. And if you haven't purchased your tickets for our virtual screening of Through My Eyes, we are offering a screening on Thursday, October 14th at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And tickets are $10. You can purchase them through our website, blindbeginnings.ca. So don't miss out. It's a really awesome documentary about me and <laughs> sort of why I started Blind Beginnings. Please share our podcast with a friend, especially during Blindness Awareness Month. And join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, 
visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.